Welcome to another episode of the New Channel Sports Podcast. Coming up, we discuss Kevin Durant and Nick Wright tweets. Do we see a scenario where LeBron James' legacy is damaged this season? Bruce Arian retires and Doc Rivers has some comments about James Harden. What does this mean for the Philadelphia 76ers? That team is exactly who we thought they'd be. They're going to beat the teams they're supposed to beat and they're likely going to lose to the teams that they're, you know, 50-50 or maybe the underdogs because James Harden is who he is. He doesn't show up in big games, unfortunately, and in the biggest of biggest moments, he hasn't been great. And guess what the other guy in his co-star on his team has a problem with? Oh, I don't know. Not being able to play great late. So they have a big problem. They got two great players who aren't great in clutch moments. They're, they have a lot of issues. Maybe somebody else steps up during those moments, but unless James and Joel figure it out at the end of games, their season will come to an end early. You're tuned into the New Channel Sports Podcast, the ultimate sports talk podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the New Channel Sports Podcast. My name is O.N.E., the one and only. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, please do me a huge favor. Go ahead and subscribe. You can do that on any major podcast platform available, or you can go to our website, newchannelsports.net. That's new channel spelled N-U-Channelsports.net. You can also follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're also on the Leeds Podcast Network as well. Check us out there. You can also check us out on Afro Fives TV. Download the Roku app. We have an incredible show in store for you today. I am joined by my co-host, the phenomenal one, Chris. Hey. How are we doing, sir? Doing good. Let's get to it. Let's get to it indeed. Let's not even waste any time. We're going to start off with something that you may or may not have known. The New Channel Sports Podcast presents Did You Know? All right, so on this edition of Did You Know, Chris, I'm going to ask you a question, okay? It's actually going to be a multiple choice question, so I'm going to give you a little leeway there so you can have an opportunity to get it right because I know you don't know much about sports so i just have you on because you know your family so I was okay guys thank you for having me on the podcast today <laughs> i appreciate y'all i will be seeing you guys next week um the podcast i'm starting will be you, called the chris podcast yeah. oh, you can check it wow. out on all digital platforms you can check <laughs> i'm out man i'm tired of this man Done. Hey man, I, I I see we have a Will Smith on our hands. You can't take a joke, wow. bro. It's, it's a joke. Wow. It's a joke, man. It's a joke. Is this a soon. joke? Is this a joke? Reconsider. <laughs> Too all right, soon. all right. Let's get let me get into this segment, okay? Let me get to this segment. Which NBA player has the most quadruple doubles in NBA history? Is it A? Hakeem the Dream Olajuwon? Is it B, David the Admiral Robinson? Is it C, Nate Thurman? Or is it D, 
Alvin Robinson. Uh, this one, I have no idea. Uh, I'm just going to go with the guy that I like um, based on the city I grew up in, based on the best city in the planet, based on the best vehicles in the planet, based on some of the finest women in the planet. Uh, I'm going to go with San Antonio, Texas. Um, and David, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, Charles Barkley would Charles Barkley said the finest women. Because of Charles Barkley, I said the finest women. I'm going to go with Hakeem the Dream Olajuwon. I don't know the answers to this, so I'm just going to guess Hakeem Olajuwon. So, this is kind of a trick question, Chris. It was kind of a trick question. Hakeem Olajuwon did record a triple-double, 18 points, 16 rebounds, 10 assists, and 11 blocks. I think that was back in 1994 against the Milwaukee Bucks. But the actual answer to this question, Chris, and for anybody else listening, did you know that there have been just four official quadruple-doubles in the history of the NBA? This feat has been achieved only four times, and they've all come within a 20-year span between 1974 and 1994. So all the gentlemen I just mentioned are those gentlemen that have recorded the quadruple double. David Robinson, 34 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, 10 blocks. Um, Nate Thurman, 22 points, 14 rebounds, 13 assists, 12 blocks. And Alvin Robinson with 20 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists, and 10 steals, actually. So he's the only one that had the quadruple double with the 10 steals involved in that. So these are official quadruple doubles. These aren't unofficial quadruple doubles. When you're talking about Russell Westbrook and James Harden, who have the 10 turnovers to go with their triple double. We're not talking about that. We're talking about solid official triple doubles. I mean, those, those are, are official. I'm right saying those ain't official. Those are definitely no, official. No, those aren't. No, no, they're not official. But you got no, they're official. Just involved the turnovers. <laughs> but I'd like to get back to the point that you gave me four answer choices, but you didn't allow me to get any of the questions that I can answer completely right. What you should have done, if I were doing the game, I would have added an E all of the above. So you're cracking on me before the game because no, I don't know a lot about no, sports. No, no, you no, must no, not no, know a lot no, about no, putting no, a question no, together no, because no, you could put no, A, no. B, C, D, or E all of the above. But you didn't do that. You didn't do that. This is the first time. I just want to let you know, you came at me early in this show. I'm coming at you. What are you doing? <laughs> calm, calm down. Calm down, okay? First of all, calm down. Anybody listening to this show has been listening for a while knows I never give multiple choice. Okay. So that should have set something off for you right there, Chris. That was doing multiple choice. And that should let you know that maybe this is a trick question. But anyway, that's did you know as far as the quadruple doubles, there have only been four men in the history of the NBA to accomplish this. Are you ready to officially start this show, Chris? I don't know if it's official. I mean, is it official or is it unofficial? I don't know. Well, I'm going to make it official because I'm not going to turn the ball <laughs> over. I'm not going to turn the rock over. You you might turn it over a couple of times. So I'm going to make it official. <laughs> so anyway, did you hear about this little Twitter thing between Kevin Durant and Nick Wright, Chris? Did you hear about that? Oh, yeah. You know, I love Nick Wright. So I did. All right. So, you know, Kevin Durant... Uh, and the Brooklyn Nets went up against Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks a couple of nights ago, and Milwaukee was able to pull off the victory. And during this time, or after the game anyway, Nick Wright tweeted out, I legit feel for KD. 
he had to be second best to LeBron for a decade, and the moment he might have passed LeBron, Giannis passed him. Second player out of high school, second pick in the draft, second best player in the NBA for life, legit awful luck. So that's what Nick Wright tweeted. That you already know. This is this is I'm starting to like Kevin Durant, bro. After all these years, I'm starting to really like this guy. Kevin Durant is always going to clap back. And so he clapped backs. And this is what at KD Trey 5 says. Don't feel bad for the God. Life has been incredible, little Nicky. Nick Wright, he always has something to say. You know, he is just like you, Chris. He's a LeBron lover. And he's going to be a LeBron lover for life. So you guys definitely have that in common. What, what do you feel about this little back and forth between Nick Wright and Kevin Durant. I, I I liked Nick's take. I thought it just went it went above an average take. And I thought he was just kind of poking and prodding at Kevin Durant. So I really didn't appreciate that. Uh, I think you know by now that growing up when well, I shouldn't say growing up, but I liked KD. He went to UT. I love KD. Uh, but I didn't like him going to the Warriors. That's really the extent of my dislike with Kevin Durant. And like you mentioned, I love his clapbacks to an extent. And this one, I had no problem with the clapback because I thought Nick took it a little too far. Um, I get the point he was trying to make. He was kind of being tongue-in-cheek with Kevin Durant specifically because Kevin Durant said so early in his career. I finished second in MVP balloting, finished second in high school as far as being who's best in the country, drafted second. I always end second. I think he just lost to um, LeBron in the finals as well. So I think it was a little tongue-in-cheek. Uh, making fun of Kevin Durant's own comment. Um, I just didn't know how necessary it was. I do agree with his sentiment, <clears throat> but that's not really the question you're asking. It's more about the the back and forth between him and Kevin Durant. I love what Kevin Durant came to send back, calling him little Nicky and that type of deal, because with the heat that and the energy that Nick Wright came with, I thought that KD's response was appropriate. I really did. But at the same time, they they handled it, even though I think Nick started it in a in a manner that I don't think I would. Um, it ended appropriately because they're both smart adults. They're both capable of using their words. And it ended in a way that was kind of, it was funny, but it, it was cordial in its own way. So this is not the first time that Nick Wright has tweeted out something about Kevin Durant. Just a couple of nights earlier, Nick Wright gave Kevin Durant kind of like a backhanded compliment. This is what Nick Wright tweeted a couple of uh, uh, days earlier. Shout out to KD, the greatest scorer of his generation, who now has one more 40-point game this season than LeBron has 50-point games this season. So with that, on top of what he just said, KD probably just got tired of it and said, you know what, man? Bro. Coming for you, Nikki. <laughs> Coming for you, Nikki. So I mean, you know, Nick Wright likes to mess with Kevin Durant a little bit. I think everybody likes to mess with Kevin Durant a little bit because you know he's going to clap back. He's going to say something. He's, he's not just going to be quiet. Right, right. And that's fun. That's really fun when you have someone like that that's going to respond. And not only are just going to respond, they're going to respond in a way that's funny. You know, and you—that's what you want. You want to be able to talk to someone, especially an athlete of his caliber, and have him say something back. And I think Nick Wright knows that. Nick Wright is always poking at the the bear to say, right? He's always poking at him to see what he's going to say, right? He doesn't do this to LeBron because that's his boy. LeBron's his boy. He's not going to poke at LeBron. No matter what LeBron is doing, LeBron can do no wrong 
in Nick Wright's eyes. So bro, he's always in a he will, he will, he will, he will call a bro. I haven't heard. I haven't heard it. Oh, I have, for sure. Because you, you know, I listen. I listen to him basically every day. Like he'll call out LeBron when he's wrong. He of course, this every day. That's your boy. Anybody yeah, is that's a fan my boy. He's, he's smart. Listen every day. Yeah, he's smart. He's uh, educated. He's be, he oh, makes good takes. He likes LeBron. Oh, no, nah, that's God. not why. He he got he got good takes, man. It's a good take. It just went too far. It is a pretty good take because, as much as KD might look at it and be like, you know what, I'm you know the god or whatever, it's a true statement. You know, he has been second fiddle to somebody. His entire career, right? If there was no such person as LeBron James or Giannis now coming up. Or Seth Curry. Kevin Durant. But he played with Seth Curry, right? So, look. No, you're right. You're right. But no one's going to say that Steph Curry is a better basketball player than Kevin Durant. It's not going to well, happen. Well, maybe. But I, I well, will I, say I this. I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying, though. I understand well, what you're saying. I, the point Steph I'm Curry, trying to make is there was a point in Curry's career where some people were arguing that he was the best player in the league. Right. Right. No, no, no doubt. I'm not yeah. disagreeing with that. You're absolutely right. But at the end of the day, people, he would take the place of LeBron James. You see what I'm saying? Kevin Durant would be that guy. Yeah. Even when they were saying that Steph Curry was the best player on the planet, I was one of the people that were saying, you're smoking crack. It's still LeBron James. LeBron James is the best player on the planet. I don't care what Steph, I don't care how far away he shoots threes. LeBron James is the best player on the planet. And I feel I will feel the same way about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is a offensive cheat mode, right? If you built a character on 2K or any other basketball video game, you're building Kevin Durant. He can't block his shot. He can drive to the hole. He can pull up and shoot. He can fire up and shoot. I mean, that's unstoppable. So the fact well, that I'm building he LeBron, has been, I, I get your point. I, you get my point. As far as someone that's wants you want to shoot all day, that's the guy you're going to create. But if you create LeBron, why are you smiling over there, man? You always got to read a LeBron <laughs> or something, bro. <laughs> that's the way you said. If you're going to create a oh player, game, Kevin Durant, I'm creating LeBron. Okay, okay, bro. Whatever you say, man. All I'm trying to say is this, that Kevin Durant is still a phenomenal player. I do get what Nick Wright was saying as far as him being second fiddle to all these players. And, of course, yes, Giannis is coming up. Giannis is the best player in the league right now, and you think it's by far. And the more I'm watching him and the more he's playing. Oh, so now you agree with me. So you agree with me now. After after the other night, we had that block. All right, because I said that early in the year, and you were looking at me like I was crazy, bro. I've been no, saying no, that for no. some time. I was going to get you crazy because you said it was by far. You said it was by far. He That's is. Why I was it's not crazy, close. But it's not close. Okay, okay, okay. If you want to calm down. <laughs> calm down. Come with me like that, bro. Calm down, man. Okay. Giannis is the best player in the league. Okay, we get it. We get it. Kevin Durant right now, is he second best player in the league right now? Kevin Durant? Uh, I think he's part of a group of players that could be considered second best because he's been so injured, right? Uh, that's why I don't know if I'm going to call him second best because he's been injured so much. He's, it's, these are facts. He's injury prone at this point, so I don't even know if he's second best. But he's in the conversation. Okay. No problem. I can I can agree with that. So you know that's a little back and forth that Kevin Durant and Nick Wright had. So it was pretty interesting. We're going to stay in the NBA, okay? Let's talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. All right, they lost a game as well, similar to the Brooklyn Nets. They lost a big game. Uh, I think they lost to Detroit, the Detroit Pistons the other night. Not a very good team. Um, James Harden did not have a good game. And Doc Rivers had some, you know, some comments to make after the game. And this is what Doc Rivers had to say after the game. 
didn't play together tonight at all. That's something we've been doing. So it's just one of those nights, but um, tough one. The bench unit struggled compared to their but, Well, they didn't struggle. Um, you know, they didn't get a lot of shots, you know, in, in their defense. I think during that stretch, it was more James, you know, um, you know, than, than them. So, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's just a tough night. All right. So a reporter was asking about pretty much the role players and the fact that they didn't have a good night. And Doc Rivers corrected him and said, you know what? No, it really wasn't on them. They didn't really get the opportunity to shoot the ball as much as they normally do. And he put the onus on James Harden, saying that he took too many shots, basically, and that he wasn't playing well. How do you feel about Doc Rivers and his comments regarding James Harden? Well, remember what happened last season when they were asking him questions about one Ben Simmons, and he kept saying, Ben's great, we're fine, everything is good, until it wasn't good. So I bet in his brain, he's like, I ain't doing that again. If your ass ain't playing right, I'm going to call you out. (laughs) And that's what he did with James Harden, and I love that. Uh, James Harden needs that type of tough love because if you think about it, when he got to Houston and he became that great player that he became, he had Kevin McHale. Him and Kevin McHale kind of butted heads. Basically, it seems, can't confirm it, that he was part of the process in getting Kevin McHale fired. Then he got Mike D'Antoni, and Mike D'Antoni gave him the keys to the world, and they created magic. But Mike D'Antoni could never tell him, hey, man, you know, sometimes you got to clean the car. Sometimes you can't break hard. So now he's playing with the coach, and then he went to the Brooklyn Nets and Steve Nash and Lord knows Steve Nash just was like, hey, guys, go play. I don't, I don't know what he does. So then he gets to, to Philadelphia, and he finally has a coach who is going to tell him something. So let's see if it sticks in his brain. Let's see if it sticks in his mental, and it helps propel him forward. I hope it does, because if you are a Philadelphia 76ers fan and – uh, you want to talk? So when he got there initially, everybody's saying, we can't believe he passes the ball so good. Oh, my God, this guy's a walking triple-double. And everybody from Houston was like, duh, we've been telling you guys this for a decade. But what we've also been telling y'all is he is who we thought he is, right? <laughs> he That team is exactly who we thought they'd be. They're going to beat the teams they're supposed to beat, and they're likely going to lose to the teams that they're, you know, 50-50 or maybe the underdogs because James Harden is who he is. He doesn't show up in big games, unfortunately, and in the biggest of biggest moments, he hasn't been great. And guess what the other guy in his co-star on his team has a problem with? I don't know. Not being able to play great late. So they have a big problem. They got two great players who aren't great, in clutch moments. They're, they have a lot of issues. Maybe somebody else steps up during those moments, but unless James and Joel figure it out at the end of games, their season will come to an end early. I know Doc Rivers knows that. I know Joel Embiid knows that, and hopefully James Harden knows that. So that comment by Doc Rivers was almost a cast, a shot across the bow saying, James, we need you to step up, bro. So my next question I was going to pose to you is, is this a sign of things to come? Is this little remark that Doc Rivers had about James Harden, does that kind of show you where this team is going? Or you kind of already mentioned it. You think that this might be what fixes this team and gets them all to play to get aware. But which one is it? Do you think this is a sign of things to come for the Philadelphia 76ers? I think it's a little bit of both. Right. It's a sign of things to come because James Harden is who he is, man. And there's only so much you can do. Um, so I, I think it's, it's definitely a sign of things to come, but it, it, it can be a step in the right direction for at least how they see themselves in the mirror. Right. So some people wake up in the morning and look at themselves in the mirror and think they look better than they look. Let's keep it a buck. Right. 
Some people wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and think they look better than they look. And I'm not saying you should feel bad about how you look, but you also got to know who you are. And for James Harden and the 76ers, they're a very good team that has trouble in clutch moments. So they've got to figure that out. There was a particular podcaster that had an episode and he said, don't let the 76ers fool you. It's a very, very good episode. I can't remember who it was. Oh, yeah, it was me. Oh, and episode 126. Make sure you guys check that out. That was the one where I said, I don't care about the MLB and don't let the 76ers fool you. Check that out. I talked about this particular 76er team and some of the problems that they will have in the future. Doc Rivers being one of them and James Harden. They haven't proved anything yet, ladies and gentlemen. Some people are already calling Doc Rivers, the most overrated coach in the history of basketball. It's mostly Philadelphia 76ers fans who already, after that one game, are tired of seeing Doc Rivers, okay? Doc Rivers, ever since that last collapse with the L.A. Clippers, there has been a lot of pressure on Doc Rivers. Chris, is there more pressure on Doc Rivers to succeed this year or James Harden? Oh, man, this this is a tough question because the answer is yes. (laughs) (laughs) Just just yes. Just yes. Obviously, Doc Rivers, uh, no coach has lost a 3-1 lead more than Doc Rivers. I think he's done it three different times in his career. Uh, and but this is the thing with Doc Rivers when his team is up on the front running that's where he's not as dangerous but when they're underdogs he's quite dangerous so for the 76ers I think even though they have the better record they'll be underdogs when they face the Brooklyn uh, Nets if they face but the what, playoffs. what team has he had though that was an underdog that he won with well definitely the Clippers the Clippers were underdogs for a couple seasons, and they did good. Whenever we thought they were supposed to do great, they didn't. So I'll give an example. The series they played the Spurs, I think it was in Game 7, Chris Paul hit that uh, game-winning shot. Uh, they, they weren't really seen as favorites in that series. It was a toss-up, right? But whenever he's a favorite, eh, you're in a little bit of trouble. But that's where the counterbalance with James Harden comes in, because as much as you may not like James Harden, I'm not saying you personally, I'm talking to the listener now, James Harden doesn't lose series where his team is a favorite. It just, it doesn't happen. He's only lost one series, and I'd say that was a Damian Lillard, and when Damian Lillard hit that shot against the Rockets in game six. Other than that, James Harden doesn't lose series when his team is a favorite. So if you're a Sixers fan, rest easy in that. But to answer your question specifically on the James Harden front, well, there's great pressure on him, just as much as there is on Doc Rivers. The difference between him and Doc Rivers, and I say James Harden has more, more is because if Doc Rivers' career ends today, that means his cement is no longer wet, it's dry. He has an NBA championship. You can't take that away from him. We can talk about the 3-1 defeats all day long, but he has an NBA championship. James Harden doesn't have that. And they're both walking into the Hall of Fame when they're done. Uh, I get that. But when it comes to James Harden, this is one of those, if you get the championship ring moments, you, you, in my opinion, he catapults himself above Dwayne Wade. If he gets a championship and in the manner in which he gets it, he catapults himself way above Dwayne Wade, in my opinion. Some people may listen to this podcast and think I'm crazy, but I think that's what it does for him because he has all the accolades that we remembered as the, one of the greatest shooting guards of all time. He just needs a ring. Mm. Well, There is tremendous pressure on both Doc Rivers and James Harden. And I do understand what you're saying that Doc Rivers already won a championship and James Harden has it. But I still think that even though there's pressure on both, there's more pressure on Doc Rivers to win now. Because if he doesn't win this year, Doc Rivers might be gone. (laughs) He might be looking for a job somewhere else. 
they're going to keep James Harden around so he will have another opportunity to try to prove that he's that player that can win a championship. So I think right now, as we speak, there's definitely more pressure on Doc Rivers. And even though he's won that one championship, those three one leads that he squandered and have the most of those has kind of tarnished that one championship he won. Because remember, he won that that championship with some heavy hitters. He had Rajon Rondo, he had Kevin Garnett, he had Paul Pierce, and he had Ray Allen on that team. So some people might look at that and be like, oh, that's why you won that championship, because you had those all-stars on your team. Ooh, so I, I say, do think... That take is whack. Well, I'm just, people who I'm say just that. saying, some, some people might say that. I'm just saying that's that. And whack. it's really going to be based on what he was doing when he wasn't in Boston. It's going to be based on those leagues that he lost. That's why that would even come up. It wouldn't come up if he didn't lose those 3-1 leads, honestly and truly. So that's why that question will come up, and I, that's why I think there's a little bit more pressure on Doc Rivers to win this year because they don't want a scenario where they go into the playoffs and they're in the lead. Once they become in the lead, they're going to be like, uh-oh, what's going to happen now? So there's a lot more pressure on Doc Rivers. Don't get me wrong. The answer to the question is yes, like you stated earlier. Yes, there's tremendous pressure on both individuals but for me personally, I think there's more pressure on Doc Rivers. Yeah, you're gonna get much argument from me there, just because you're right. I mean, they both have a lot of pressure, and it comes to the point where how can one team deal with that much pressure? Like there is a lot of pressure on each and every at every level. This pressure, the highest level as far as his GM is concerned, with Daryl Morey with bringing in James Harden to have that work out. This pressure on the team, this pressure on the coach, and we already know how the the Philadelphia crowd is just a big giant pressure cooker. So this the whole thing can go combust and combust and look really really bad. Um, and I don't, I think that'd be really ugly, uh, the way it could potentially end. No, I definitely agree with you 110%. Uh, let's stay in the NBA, shall we? Let's talk about the Los Angeles Lakers a little bit and let's talk about LeBron James. Um, he tweeted out today that his, uh, season is officially done and that, uh, we won't see him till next fall, but we already know that, you know, April fools, it was on April fools day. So that, that probably was an April fools joke, but Let's just say that he's going to continue to play. Is there a scenario where LeBron James's legacy is damaged this season, Chris? Well, no, that's asinine. The answer is no. But as far as his tweet, he may have intended it for to, to be April Fool's, but there is no April Fool's joke about his tweet. They have a great chance, an outstanding chance of his season being done already. So I don't know why he would have a joke like that knowing that there is a great potential that his season will be over. Um, there will be no postseason. So I didn't get that. I didn't really find it to be funny. Uh, as far as your question is concerned, no. Him missing the playoffs at the age of 37 while leading the league in scoring, if anyone has fault to that, I just don't understand it. This is not a Jordan or a Kobe or a Kareem or whatever debate you want to make. It's just, it's just asinine. He is at the very peak of his scoring powers, I shouldn't say the peak, but he's leading the NBA in scoring at the age 37 season, which is obviously unprecedented. And everything he does is unprecedented. So anyone saying that this would tarnish his career, and I guess tarnish is a little too far. I guess anyone who's saying this is a, a bad look to his career or just another knock on him in the Jordan versus him debate or whatever other person you want to add in there, I think that's just foolish. No, I agree with you, 
But you know how I do sometimes. I like to play devil's advocate, right? So let me play devil's advocate for you real quick. Because LeBron James didn't come to the Lakers, right, to miss the playoffs. The play-in at that. He came to the Lakers because they were supposed to be winning championships year in and year out. If you would have told me when he first came to the Los Angeles Lakers that they will miss the playoffs eventually, not only would they miss the playoffs, they will miss the playoffs and have Anthony Davis and have Russell Westbrook. I'll be like, wow, that's a failure of a season. And that could tarnish his legacy. Now, when the season started, some of us were saying that the team was old and that they really may not be able to win a championship. But was anybody really saying that they were going to miss the playoffs altogether? So if there's a scenario where they missed the play-in and LeBron was able to carry this team into that play-in for opportunity to play into the playoffs, you could argue that it kind of damages his legacy a little bit, right? Even if, yeah, he, yeah. You, if you would have told me, hold on, hold on, if you would have told me that LeBron James is going to lead the league in scoring, right, and have the opportunity to have the scoring title, but he was still going to miss the play-in and the playoffs altogether, why wouldn't that damage his legacy? Well, I like how you like to make your BS argument in the shroud or a cloud of, oh, this is the devil's advocate. But a wise man once said on television recently, well, it was through another person. I believe it's Denzel Washington who was quoted, attributed with this quote. He said, is when you're at your highest is when the devil's going to try to come after you. And with this weak devil's advocate argument you're making, I would just say, if you told me prior to the season that LeBron James is going to lead the league in scoring, I'd say, how old is he again? And you'd tell me 37. Everything else you say would be irrelevant to me. I'd say that's ridiculous. I didn't see this coming, him leading the league in scoring. What you could see coming, however, is Anthony Davis getting hurt. He did get hurt, and that's essentially why they're not in the playoffs. Or definitely not in the playoffs, and they're in a good chance of missing the play-in. Yeah, I see that I got to play devil's advocate with someone else. And, and when it's not involving LeBron, because whenever I do anything involving LeBron, you, so you can't play devil's advocate with me, play play. No, no, not, not when it comes to LeBron James, because you get into your feelings a little bit when it comes to LeBron James. I, I can't touch LeBron James at all when it comes to you. I just can't say anything negative about him. He's just the GOAT, and, and that's it. No, no, nothing will ever tarnish his legacy. All right. Oh, nothing will tarnish it unless he goes on stage during the ESPYs and slaps somebody. <laughs> that could definitely affect it. <laughs> Keep my name out your effing yeah. mouth. Okay, yeah. anyway, okay. Oh, man. All right. So let's transition over from the NBA to the NFL. Bruce Arians recently retired. And now Todd Bowles, the former uh, Jets head coach, will be serving as the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, there has been some speculation that um, uh, Bruce Arians and um, Tom Brady have had some kind of beef going on, and that's why this whole thing has gone the way it has gone. Tom Brady decides he's going to retire, and then a couple weeks later he says, no, I'm not going to retire. And then when he comes out of retired, all of a sudden Bruce Arians says, I'm going to retire. And then they have Todd Bowles as the court, as the um, as the head coach. So let me just give you a statement from Bruce Arians regarding his retirement okay so bruce arians told peter king of nbc nbc sports on wednesday that this is why he was stepping away succession has always been huge for me with the organization in probably the best shape it's been in history and with tom brady back i'd rather see todd in a position to be successful and not have to take some crappy job 
I'm probably retiring next year anyway in February. So I can control the narrative right now. I don't control it in February because if Brady gets hurt, we go 10 and 7 and there's an open interview for that job. I got 31 coaches and their families that depend on me. My wife is big on not letting all those families down. So that's what he had to say. But Chris, do you think that Tom Brady had an influence in his decision to step down and retire? So um, my response to Bruce Arians' statement is, stop the cap. (laughs) Stop the cap, bro. (laughs) I mean, this is the thing. You mentioned it. The timing of everything stinks, and it smells very fishy, right? My antennas are up. My detective goggles are on. I'm smelling something here that's not quite right. Number one, Tom Brady's retirement, he retires, and every single reputable reporter is like, eh, he ain't really retired. And what happens, he comes back. My idea of what happened, again, obviously I can't confirm this, but the way this smells is Tom Brady goes to the front office with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and says, I want to be traded or I want Bruce Arians gone. We all figure it out. The Buccaneers organization bucks at him and says no. He does the ultimate power move and says he's going to retire. A few weeks after his retirement, Bruce Arians looks around and says, look, guys, I'm going to go ahead and step away and he can come back and I can do this peacefully because I can't mesh with him anyway. So that's exactly what happens. Bruce resigns and Tom Brady comes in. The thought process that Bruce doesn't want to coach anymore is a juxtaposition to his very comments recently, talking about how he doesn't want to stop coaching. He wants to continue coaching until he absolutely can't. All of those statements that he made are juxtaposed to the statement that he makes about resigning from his position at head coach. I think it's obvious that Tom Brady played a role in this. I think it's obvious that those two have some friction. And I also think it's obvious that Tom Brady's retirement was ultimately a power play. But with all of that said, you got to be happy for Todd Bowles, right? You got to be happy for Todd Bowles. He gets another chance to coach in the NFL. But I will say this. There's been two times this offseason where an African-American head coach is hired to a team that you can clearly tell it wasn't the team's original plan. This one here with Bruce Arians and the Bucks, and obviously the Texans with Lovey Smith. So I'm happy they're both in head coaching positions. Maybe the how of how they got there is not the greatest, but it's one of those situations where Bruce Arians' statement is just not believable to me at all. And if everything he says turns out to be true, then I'll just say it's one of those totality of circumstances. It certainly looks like there's friction. No, I agree with you 110%. I definitely there was some friction there between um, himself and Tom Brady. And it just goes back to some of the statements that he made earlier. You already mentioned this. Back in January, he said that I'm coaching until I can't. All right. All of a sudden, two months later, you decide to retire after the whole fiasco with Tom Brady decided to retire and then come back. So it's clear as day to me to see that there was something going on there. I am happy for Todd Bowles. As well, this is an opportunity for him to prove himself as a head coach after what happened with him at the uh, New York Jets. And it's also a little bit um, on the other side, an opportunity for Brian Leftwich as well, because then he still has the opportunity to play with Tom Brady and try to establish himself as being a great head coach as well. And maybe in the future, get himself a head coaching job also. So I think that those two opportunities there for those two men are there. So I think it was a bunch of BS, which is what. Uh, Bruce Arians said earlier that it was a bunch of BS to be between him and Tom Brady, but it's obvious that there was something going on there because you can't just look at the sequence of events and think there was nothing going on there. There absolutely was something going on there. So now he's going to have a some kind of position there 
an administration. We don't even know what that is yet with the Tampa Buccaneers. And, and that's just the way it, it all fell into play. We don't even know what he's going to be doing. He's just going to be a someone in the top just giving his opinion on stuff, and, and, and that's pretty much it. So don't be surprised. Me personally, if you see in a year or another year down the line that he's coaching somewhere else and he just says, I just need to go somewhere else and coach, don't be surprised on that issue right there. All right. I hope you've enjoyed this show today on the New Channel Sports Podcast. If this has been your first time listening, please do us a favor and subscribe. You can do it on any major podcast platform available. You can also go to our website and subscribe, and that's newchannelsports.net. New channel spelled N-U-Channelsports.net. Give us a follow on Instagram. Give us a follow on Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. We're trying to get some things in the work there. See our wonderful faces on Afro Vibes Television. Download the Roku app so you can check us out on Afro Vibes TV. Um, check us out on the Leeds Podcast Network as well. We do some episodes there also on that network. Chris, you got anything else for the for the listeners? Uh, nothing else for me, man. Are you sure? Nothing? You don't got nothing? You don't want to talk about how great LeBron is before they before we sign off? No, I'm good, man. I don't because this is a problem. Because nowadays with you people, you know, I make a joke, you know, mom saying, like, because y'all don't know this. Oh, Enya's bald, ain't got no hair. I could make it like a GI joke. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, tables start moving, oh, things man. start shifting. You know, I'm not here for that. I'm here oh, for peace. We're not here for that. We don't. We don't promote violence. We we definitely don't. Until next time, I have been the one and only Oenyi. Joined by my co-host, the phenomenal one, Chris, we are out. Thanks for listening to the New Channel Sports Podcast. If you like the show, feel free to leave a comment and a five-star rating. Your support is very much appreciated. Also, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or on our website, newchannelsports.net. That's new channel spelt in you, channelsports.net. Got a sports-related question for the crew? Just leave a voicemail on our website. Till next time, have a good one and stay safe out there.